Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Yeah, I love love that um, video. It's uh, made by over a hundred of you who are doing something, serving, making a difference, and we appreciate that. And that's why here we are at the beginning of the year, and it's a great time to to think about how am I going to be used by God to make a difference this year. And, you know, the the, the hard part is we sometimes we listen to other voices that say, well, you don't have much to offer, or you're not as good as so-and-so, or what can you do at all? And we, we, those are lies from the devil. Um, It's nothing he would love you more to do than not just put it off. They don't need me, or they can find somebody better. But every single one of us in here today has something to give, something to offer that God can use. And so we like to remind ourselves of this on a regular basis. And after this service, there are going to be folks out in several areas, ministry areas out in our lobby over here in the ministry booth area who would love to just talk to you about options and opportunities where you could jump in and make a difference. And here the first of the year, there's no better way to start those habits and those practices that can really make a difference. So I hope you'll, you will do that here in just a little bit. A couple of things just to kind of catch up from on last week. I, I mentioned last week that um, uh, we were on a pace to reach 2,500 likes on our Facebook page by the end of January. Well, you did it by the end of last week. <laughs> we're already over that. So, uh, it's, it's, that's, that's cool. Uh, also, we mentioned Starfish Kenya, our, our ministry to children uh, who have often been orphaned by the AIDS virus in Kenya. And um, I said last week we knew our Christmas Eve offering had topped 100,000, but we didn't know the total. And as of today, the total that we have is $174,642.57. Yeah, that is just incredible. I'm just... Praise God. Thank you. Um, it, we know God is going to use that. Uh, we've already had some correspondence with Moses Basigua, who is, runs House of Hope, that, 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 they've been, that people have been talking to them about taking in some more children who really need it, and now they can. They don't have to worry about the financial coverage of that, so we're, we're grateful for that. Also, um, Robert mentioned it earlier, but uh, we, we've got a women's retreat at door next weekend, Friday, Saturday, so I hope... Many of you will walk out of there, ladies, and, and sign up for that. I'm listening to my wife talk about it, and she's really pumped up about it, and, and it sounds really exciting. And I think you're going to want to you're going to want to be a part of that. Hold on a second, I'm, but I'm also still I'm doing better, but it's not quite there yet. But it is better. Um, the, the last thing I want to just say a word about transformed. You, you may have heard it mentioned earlier. You may have seen some stuff. You may be thinking, what is this? Let me just tell you, Transformed is a series created by Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, and it is about the total transformation of us spiritually, relationally, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, vocationally. It's looking at the whole person, the whole area, not just one part of your life, but realizing that we are a whole and therefore looking at all those areas over a period of seven weeks and what we can do. Because the world around us is often shouting that they have the answers and it's to do this or it's to live this way that, you know, your relationship struggles, you just have to, to go along with the flow, that the financial troubles, you may have to bend some rules or, 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 or cheat or be unethical about some of those things. 
and we look often, we're looking for, for meaning or purpose or why we're here, what, what is my life, not just for us as humans in general, but my life personally. And the world offers us answers, but many of us know and, and many of you are discovering that those answers don't ultimately, they, they don't click with reality. They don't work. They don't fit. And, and we, we are left searching for more. And the good news is we are convicted that it's God's word through Jesus Christ that is the, the, the fulfillment of all of our lives and what God can do and wants to do in us. And so this series is about helping us dig deeper into that to allow him to transform us, to transform the way we think and see and look at these things so that our lives can be different. We can, we can get better. And the cool thing about this series that kind of differentiates it from the other series we've had is it's, it's not just for adults. Our students during this hour, our children in both hours will be covering the same material. Um, it also provides some additional information, a, a, a journal that um, is available that includes daily readings and um, that you can do, follow along, keep up with. And beyond that, there's going to be small groups where there's a teaching each week from Rick Warren himself and, and that is connected to this, that is connected to the messages, that's connected to what the children will be talking about and have an opportunity to do that. And that's why to, today we're, we're working very hard on on getting people signed up to be hosts. Now, this whole thing kicks off on February 8th. So that, that's still a few weeks away, and we'll start signing up folks into groups next week, but well, we still need a f- some more host homes. And, and being a host isn't meant to be something scary. And a lot of our women's and men's ministries are already doing this, our existing life groups, and some of our already journeying groups, but we, we wanna create more because we wanna have a space for everyone. And so we want to encourage you to, to today be prayerful about, can I be a host? And the thing about being a host is, it sometimes it sounds kind of frightening, but it's really not. And we've got some cards here that kind of just talk about, and the first ones, we, some of you, some of them signed up for the early service, but we still have a few left of these gift bags. And in, in those gift bags, there will be one of these uh, journals. Uh, later, we'll get you some DVD, give you a DVD to use in your home with your group. But then also, just looking at hosts, can I be a host? Well, what does it take to be a host? Well, first, it means having a heart uh-huh, for people. H, okay, are you with me? O. That you open your home to some folks, okay? Open your home. S means serve some drinks. Let's be appropriate. <laughs> Someone reminded me that this might not be what I thought it was. <laughs> and finally, the T, H-O-S-T, is... Um, Tell your friends, on one side of a card in these packages, it says, why don't you come on over? And, and here's the thing. We think in terms of our church friends and church family, and that's great, but this is not just limited to our church family. There are folks that you know that would like to be a part of this, or people in your neighborhood that maybe don't have a church home, or people who are looking to connect somehow. 
invite them. Even if they don't show up here on Sunday morning, we're looking at how can we be used by God to transform others, and that's a perfect thing. So turn on, tell your friends, and then the other part of it is just simply turn on the DVD. You know, just click the button and, and be off and running and uh, be able to do that. So it's not, a, it's not intended to be difficult. We'll provide some basic training. There's some information within the um, DVDs that you'll receive. And we really are looking for a hundred of these groups that we want to have across the Bay Area that will be offering this opportunity for any and all of us. So I hope you will be thinking and praying about that. Again, we have a few of these gift bags left that if you get out there quickly, you may be able to get one. But even if you don't, everything's very reasonable in how it's done. And we want to just encourage you to do that because we're, we're committed to our mission of leading everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that is a transformation. And so we think this is a cool opportunity and excited that you are, are here and, and pray that you'll join us in being that. And one of those ways is being a host. And I know you can do it. Um, in the meantime, leading up to the start of that on February 8th, we're going to be in a three-week series that we've called Getting Better, looking at ways that we can get better today by the grace of God through his transforming love and grace and his healing. Um, heal is one of our church's strategies along with reach and, and grow, and we're convinced that God has blessed us to be a place for folks to experience his healing in their lives, spiritually, physically, mentally, relationally, emotionally. And, and we've seen this happen through our prayer ministry. We see it happen through grief share. We see it happen through celebrate recovery. We see it happen in, in conversations that God allows us to have. And we're very excited about all that. But using the language of celebrate recovery then, which is our Monday night ministry that helps deal with a lot of this stuff, we have learned that people struggle with hurts, habits, and hangups in their lives. And so today is the first of the three weeks. We're going to look at the hurts. And, and we're talking about hurts as being stuff that happens to us or those we deeply care about, either by individuals or, or events. And sometimes we're struggling because of our own actions, but sometimes we're struggling because someone else has done something to us or to those we care about. Sometimes we can't really point a finger at anyone in particular about why something's happening. It might be an illness, it might be a, a rocky relationship, a problem at work or, or at school. And, and, and it is so prevalent around us over the last, just this week, in conversations with, with you and others around us. I mean, I've talked with people struggling with, with problems in their marriages, problems in in their relationships, within their family, or in the work environment. Uh, we've seen folks who've lost loved ones to death. Someone uh, I talked to got laid off at work. Uh, we've got some folks who haven't been feeling well, and yet somehow the doctors can't seem to figure out what's wrong, and it gets really frustrating. Others have talked about being overwhelmed with their workloads, and sometimes having to take on more work as, as positions aren't filled, or people don't understand what they can do. A misunderstanding has been twisted badly, and, and so much more. I mean, you just think about it yourself. You can imagine and, and, and those around you, and that's not even saying what's going on in your life. And, and sometimes I listen to all that, and honestly, I start to feel overwhelmed. Um, it, it seems so everywhere. 
and so many people around us. And, and I, I can't even imagine what some of you, in fact, are going through or dealing with. Sometimes when those of us who are followers of Christ around someone who's experiencing a lot of these hurts, our, our heart goes out to them. We want to encourage them. We want to help them. And we'll, sometimes we'll tell them something like, well, God will never give you more than you can handle, often with the, the best of intentions, thinking we're quoting Scripture. And yet if you were with us last fall in a series we called Mythbusters, we saw that there is a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 which promises that God will not allow us to be tempted more than we can stand. But honestly, there are no promises in the Bible about limiting our hurts and afflictions. Um, we, we think of that, that there, maybe there is, or we think, you know, surely there's an end to this. And, and, and perhaps there are, but sometimes when we're in the middle of it or someone we know or care about is in the middle of it, it sure doesn't feel like that. In fact, the Bible demonstrates that sometimes we really do have more on our plates than we can handle. Sometimes we really do feel overwhelmed. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in chapter 1, said, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. You know, even Jesus on the night before his crucifixion, felt overwhelming distress. Matthew 26 tells us Jesus took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And here's what I know, because I know many of you personally, and I certainly know what goes on in a group this size is some of you right now are thinking what Jesus said or what Paul said is my life. That's the way I'm feeling about it right now. And if, if you're not, here's the thing. Somebody within a few feet of you is. They just are. It's a whole lot more rampant and common than a lot of times we want to admit which is precisely why I think what we're looking at today and in this series is so important. Because too often we cannot change our circumstances. We can't. But we can change how we think about them, how we see them, how we perceive them. And, and beginning to change that then can change how we feel and move forward in this life. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, of the things that the world says, this is gonna work, or you ought to do this. He says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, you and I need to know um, and, and no means a fact, uh, something we can, we can rely on. We need to know and we need to remember that God's will for each one of us is good, is pleasing, is perfect. 
I mean, sometimes you need to know that because you don't feel that way. It doesn't seem like that. It's not, it's not how you're interpreting life going on around you. We need to know that to give us some hope that there is a God and he loves us. He cares about us. He, he, he understands we're going through stuff and it's hard and we don't, we don't always understand and we, and we don't know how we're gonna deal with some of those things. Because afflictions and hurts come our way. There's so many reasons. We need to know God as it works. So the Apostle Paul says we need to learn to know God's will, he says. Learn, that's a process. In other words, all too often God's way of of approaching and seeing life doesn't come naturally to us. I don't know about you, but in my life, sometimes my feelings override what I'm thinking, and sometimes my feelings take me down roads that that aren't helpful and and get me going in directions, and, and from my feelings, I start thinking about these things in very strange ways. And what the Bible wants us to understand is it's dangerous to allow the feelings to drive us, our thoughts need to drive us. And sometimes that means we need to allow God to transform the way we think so that then that transforms ultimately how we begin to feel about these things. I thought it was gonna stop raining by now. So much is going on around us or to us, even in us, and we, it's easy to forget the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ for those who choose to follow him. It means that with God's help, we can learn, learn how to get through hurts in our lives. And it doesn't necessarily take them away. I mean, that's really important for us to understand. But it can give us hope in the midst of them, and that hope can and will see us through. This week, a passage from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians really struck me and I felt like it was something God wanted to say to us about dealing with hurt in our lives. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4. If you have your mobile device, you can use the YouVersion uh, Bible app and go to the live page. And if you have neither of those, as always, we include some, these, this insert, these, these notes in your bulletin that have the scriptures on there and some fill-in-the-blanks and places for you to take some notes. So turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Beginning in verse 5, Paul writes, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, that is, scholars believe that is the oldest statement of faith. Jesus is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us the the key to living life rightly in a way that makes sense, that works consistently, is to keep Jesus at the center of our lives rather than ourselves. And that flies in the face of, of common thinking that is around in our world today. We have all this stuff that happens to us. We we experience hurts and, and and Yet, do we allow those hurts to define us, or can they point us and others to the glory of God? I want to tell you, the more I stare at me and I try to figure out what's happening to me and why is this happening and 
why do bad things seem to happen, or why is it not going my way, or why I don't deserve this, or why it's not fair, the more my focus is on me and on my problems and on my issues, and it becomes this downward spiral. The more I focus on me, the more I think on those things, the more it grabs me, the more I think on them some more. Let me just, let me just give you a heads up. And I wish somebody would have said this to me, or at least said it in a way I could have heard it when I was much younger. Life is not fair. It's not. Now, I want it to be, and in fact, naively, I thought for a time it should be, or as a young Christian, maybe it ought to be, but it's not. And there are pictures all through the Bible of that reality. Nowhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, from the words of Jesus, are you going to hear the promise that life is fair? that what you're experiencing today is fair, or you should experience fair, or you will experience fair if you're just a little better. That's, that's not biblical. That's not reality. But even though life is not fair, what the Bible does affirm is that God is good. Good enough to see us through whatever we're going through, and, and often to see us through in ways we cannot yet see or imagine. Don't you know sometimes when you and I, when we get into the middle of something, a hurt or a struggle, sometimes we, we think we know how this is, can be fixed. We think we have the answer. And so we, we focus in on what we believe and what we think versus listening to what God thinks and what God says. God created us. God created the world. God knows everything. It stands to reason that he he knows how to get us through stuff. And sometimes it won't be what we can think or imagine. But if I'm locked into me, I may never hear the truth. Paul says in verse seven, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Paul says it right there, our bodies are like fragile clay jars. I didn't think about that very much when I was in my 20s, but, but now it's starting to feel more and more fragile all the time. And, and you know, sometimes we talk about athletes and, and they, they, don't, they can't conceive great athletes. Listen, sooner or later you either die or your body starts to fail you. <laughs> There's no in between. And that's just one part of life. We are fragile. We get broken in relationships. We get broken in, in, in all kinds of ways. We are breakable. We are spotted with flaws. But those of us who follow Christ have something more, something that can be more defining for us and to us, that doesn't take away the flaws, that doesn't take away the fragileness of life in any way, but something that transforms them. It's the glory of God through Jesus Christ shining in and through us. I remember several years ago hearing a story about a woman who had a dream, and, and she saw herself as a cracked pot. Now, don't ask me, that's an interesting dream image. But, but, but that's what she said. And she said she knew in the dream that she was cracked because there was light inside of her that was piercing out through the cracks, and she asked God why he had made her a cracked pot. And she, she said, she heard God say to her, it's only through the cracks 
that my light can shine through. In other words, if, if we think we can handle it all ourselves, if we think we've got all the answers, if we think life should never be overwhelming, we're gonna try to figure it all out and, and sometimes we'll be successful and people will look at us and say, look how smart they are and, and we like that and we don't wanna disappoint people and we wanna be lifted up and it, sometimes it feeds our ego and, and helps us overcome some, some other shortcomings and so we go with that but the problem is none of us can maintain that, none of us can sustain that for any length of time because we are cracked pots. But the beauty of that is when we stop and we acknowledge who we are and what we're dealing with, and we say, I don't have all the answers. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. That's often the very point where God can step in and shine. And people look and then say, oh, look what God did in your life. Look how he got you through that. Look how he transformed you. Sometimes it's through the flaws, the hurts, the struggles, in which we see and we recognize God's greatest work in us. And then it's through those then that, that others see God's work and the hope of God in and through us. And I, I, admittedly, I may not be feeling that in the, in the time or the moments when I'm struggling, which is why, though, I have to see and think about all this differently my mind has to be renewed. I, 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 I know, it was a battle for Paul. He writes about that in various places. I don't think it was ever easy for him, but he allowed God to transform the way he thought about what he faced to the degree that he could, he could write these words in verse eight. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Most of us can identify with some or all of those expressions, being pressed on every side, being perplexed, being hunted down, being knocked down. To the point where we can start to feel destroyed. There's no help. There's no hope. Though Paul also had those experiences. We know he was beaten. We know he was, he was ridden out essentially on a rail. He was shipwrecked. He was flogged. God had taught him to think about those things and see them differently. Now, he, again, it's not that Paul's saying this stuff didn't happen, dismissing it. Or if we just have enough faith, all of our problems will somehow go away. He's saying in the midst of these things, in spite of these things, we don't have to be crushed or driven to despair or feel abandoned or think we're gonna be destroyed. Those are all very, very real challenges in our world today and in many of our lives right now. And, and left alone, many of us have thoughts and feelings that, that will go there more often than not. We, just, we start thinking the worst and we start seeing all these, these problems and we, our, our thinking gets, gets so caught up in it. But Paul says this tendency that so many of us have to bury ourselves into our hurts pushes us into darker places. 
He talked about it. And in 1 first, first Corinthians that I read earlier in that, in that passage, uh, in the, or 2 Corinthians, the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, he said, he said they expected to die. And, and honestly, if we're, I mean, if we, we admit it, sometimes life feels that way to some of us. We don't know sometimes how we're going to carry on or how we're going to keep going. And though we may somehow, we may in, in essence stop really living, stop trying, just settle, just l- let it go, just sink down and give up and just kind of go through the motions. And some of us are probably there today. We're almost numbed by life. We've tried, we've tried, and we don't know how to keep going. Paul said they expected to die. But Paul says when we feel ourselves going into those dark places, we can give up, and some of us do, but we have a choice. We can choose to trust God and in fact, trust him even more. And that goes, that goes against the grain. Trust more, go do more of these things that he tells us to do by faith. Paul said, in fact, verse nine, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he'll rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul expresses confidence in what God can do, because Paul, over and over again, had discovered that God was faithful. He had lived this out in his own life. He had found these things to be true. He had trusted God, and in trusting him, he had found doors opening and ways through hurts and habits and hang-ups in his lives that he couldn't imagine. And like Paul, we also have to make a choice. Paul said they placed their confidence in him. That, is, that indicates a decision, a choice, and, and a choice that probably had to be made over and over again, several times a day, especially in, in the midst of hurt and struggle. It doesn't take two minutes for some of us to spiral out sometimes, when something bad happens or some struggle hits us hard. And and we need to understand, this is not, we're not talking about magic here. It is the hard work of faith. Yet when we choose to live that way in the midst of our hurts, we keep proclaiming the promises of God, when we keep looking for him and how he's going to work, when we trust him, when we can't see a way through it, something remarkable begins to happen. Paul wrote in verse 10, through suffering our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yet we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. I want to tell you, anyone who thinks the the Christian life should be easy doesn't know much about our founder's life. All we have to do is look to Jesus who suffered horribly, who suffered unjustly, who suffered and suffered and hurt, and yet he willingly 
faced it for us. And so do his followers, like, like Paul, who put themselves into danger and setting themselves up for hurts and struggles out of faith and obedience to Christ because they were convinced it was worth it. They were convinced this is how my life works best. This is how I get better in the midst of this stuff. He said, verse 12, so we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. In other words, this willingness of his and others to face those struggles, to face those hurts was used by God to point and reach more and more folks for Christ. And we've seen that happen here time and time again. All too often, people don't turn to Christ until they've tried anything and everything else. But then they do. And because they don't have any other options, they don't have any other choices, they've tried everything else, they discover God is enough and God can see them through and bring healing. And again, healing doesn't mean that the problems necessarily go away. But as we come to place more of our faith and trust in Christ, sometimes God does bring healing into our bodies or healing into others that changes everything. But sometimes the healing isn't, isn't there. It's up here. It's how I am now choosing to see things, how I'm I'm able to live and, and, and to make choices and not just give in to my feelings and not just spiral myself down in the midst of hard stuff. To see things differently, to change how I think, to how, and if I change how I think, I can change then how I act and how I feel in the midst of those struggles. And so verse 13 says, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had, had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke Paul says he just keeps on doing what he's doing, in his case, preaching, because that's how he's to live out his faith. Let me, let me remind us, faith isn't real until it's lived. We can say we have faith, but if we don't trust that belief enough to act on it, it's not faith. It's not faith at all. And I can't just talk a good story and, and somehow expect everything to change. We have to live by faith regardless of how we're feeling. If we want to see the results of faith. On Friday, my life journal reading plan um, included some stuff from Genesis, but also Luke chapter nine. And, and in there was something really resonated with me. I, uh, often... We have to live obediently by faith. And then as we do that, understanding begins to come our way, but, but often not before we're obedient. And then it talked about an occasion where the, in the study notes of the Bible, it said the disciples' obedience precedes understanding. I said, wow. That sometimes I'm not gonna have it all figured out. Sometimes I'm not gonna know where this is gonna go when I choose to act in faith to, do, to live as Jesus wants me to live, and then later, perhaps, I'll gain some understanding of what's going on. But too often, we think we need to understand before we act, especially in faith. But it said the disciples lived by obedience first, and it was through their obedience of acting on faith that faith was confirmed and grew. And for some of you, this is, this is a 180 degree turn because you've been waiting for stuff to happen to prove faith. 
And instead, what the Bible is saying is you and I have to act on faith for we can, in most cases, expect to discover its proof. And I know it's not easy. I'm not, I battle it myself. But I also know it is not wasted effort, even if we're not getting the kind of results or the immediate results we think we need or want, because we have made a conscious decision that God loves me, God knows me best, God is all-knowing, God understands the situation, and his plan, though I may not see it, though I may never fully comprehend it, can see me through. So he says in verse 14, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Our our, our ultimate hope isn't in making everything right in this life and seeing all of our problems go away here and now. Our ultimate hope resides in the fact that Jesus, who suffered horribly, who was crucified, who was killed, who rose again, whose resurrection serves then as a promise to us and gives us a picture of what we too can experience when we join hands with him. Sometimes it's resurrection in our experiences in this life, but if not, it is resurrection at the end of time. And so the Bible says all this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Paul says what has happened to him, what has happened to his partners in ministry, unbelievably served as a blessing and a benefit to those who were reading him then and to those who are reading him today. Paul says his life, his struggles, are to serve as signs of hope. That even the worst that life and and others can throw at us does not have to define you or me nor destroy us. And we we need to hear that. We need to grasp that. Someone said, with God's help, we can turn our tests into testimonies. We can turn our trials and tribulations into triumphs. And that's what Paul did. And we're here this morning praising God because Paul and other followers of his time and some of you have experienced the grace of God to the degree that you have found hope. You have discovered that life does not have to crush us or destroy us. You are getting better and living out that in front of us and others, pointing even more people to God. Paul says in 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And now, Paul never says here our hurts and our struggles, our troubles are unimportant, that they don't exist. But he says if we can trust Christ to transform how we think on them, we will see them for what they are, for what they were to Christ. Our troubles do not have to have the final word in life and how we live. Hurts don't have to define me. They don't have to define the choices I make. They don't have to feel like I'm being pushed in a direction. Struggles don't have to distract me from finding and experiencing God's joy in the middle of them. In fact, the New Testament book that probably has the word joy in it more than any other is the book of Philippians, and Paul wrote it while imprisoned. All this produces in us and through us for others then a picture, a glory, if you will, 
that puts all these experiences in this short life into eternal perspective. You know, we, we comfort our child when they, they stub their toe and in the moment, it's the end of the world and it's catastrophic and nothing else can matter and they don't know how they're gonna keep going. But we know it won't. We know it hurts, but we know that's not the, the final word. But in the moment, our children, our child who maybe doesn't have much life experience, can't know that, doesn't see that yet, hasn't experienced that, but we have. And, and, and so we offer comfort that we have received so that they too can get through this and someday gain the longer term perspective that we have gained. To the know then that these moments don't last nor do they have to define us. And so Paul says we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever. That what Christ offers you and me will never fade or tarnish or diminish. We don't have it all right now. We don't have all the answers. We can't see all the results. But if we live by faith, looking at his promises, claiming them for our lives, we find hope. We find God-given ability to keep on keeping on, to get to even get better at times, even when it's hard, when it hurts, when we don't understand, when it's not right, when it's not fair. It's why we need to spend time each day in God's word because we need him to remind us of what he can do and that he isn't faithful. It's why we need each other to go on this journey with us. You and I need the church, even though there is no perfect church here on earth. We need others to show us, to remind us there is hope. You can get through this. There is a way forward. It's why our life groups and journey groups and women's groups and men's groups and celebrate recovery groups and our upcoming transformed group experiences are so important. God never wastes a hurt. Hurting people hurt people, but broken people heal people. You've been there. You've done it. You got the t-shirt and you know you can make it. When we're in the middle of it, we don't need to run or hide, but turn to God and turn to his people. Uh, we're imperfect, but he's still working in and through us. And there are amazing stories of how God uses us in the simplest of ways to bring his hope. Watch this one story. My name is Benton White, and this is my story. Well, I, I grew up in a, in a family that attended church, but frankly, as an adult, I drifted away from the church. I believed in God. I believed in a life hereafter, but I lost my way, I think, in many ways. I, by the standards of the world, I suppose I was successful. But all that happened in the last few years, of course, was a turning point for me. It caused me to, to rethink everything. I came to Gateway through Grief Share over two years ago. I lost my wife of 27 years. She had been in declining health. And her death was not a, not a complete shock, but at the same time, it was not expected. I was here briefly, and my work schedule changed, and I, I, I couldn't continue with grief share. And 
16 months after my wife died, our daughter and our only child took her life. And at that point, I knew I must come back. I could not deal with this alone. And so I came back in the next series of, Gate of Grief Share. And, and I've been here ever since. I asked God for forgiveness for any and everything I had done wrong. But there was a period when even after that, I would say, God forgives me, but I cannot forgive myself. And then finally, someone pointed out something to me. When you do that, when you say God forgives me, but I cannot forgive myself, you're putting your moral authority above the moral authority of God. And that is nothing but pride. And that was sort of a slap across the face. I still work with it. I still have issues. But I think that was a turning point for me. It's a process. Some days are good, some days are not so good. Some weeks are better, some weeks are not so good. It takes time. I will mention something else too. Uh, this happened a year ago, and it's an example of how much someone can benefit from, from mercy and comfort of others. It was in communion, after I had taken communion and I was in the back of the room and I was just sitting there by myself praying. People were leaving as they do down the aisles. It was a hard time for me, a bad day. And someone came by, tapped me, patted me on the shoulder, and went on. I don't know who it was. I'll never know, but it was a gift. It was a gift from God. It was so important that that person did that, whoever it was. Those are the kinds of things that I've learned over the last year or two. Joy and pain can coexist in this world. It doesn't have to be either or. Anybody listening to this, anyone around you, to the left, right, in front, behind you, I promise within several feet of you is someone that is suffering deeply. No one gets out of this world without suffering and pain. It could be anything, not just the loss of a loved one. It could be health, the loss of a job, anguish over a friend or a family member. To the extent you can reach out, comfort these people and work with them and help them in some way, you will benefit ten times over. If you know of someone that has lost a loved one and is grieving, them, then ask them to come join us. We meet on Tuesday nights beginning February the 3rd, 13-week sessions, 7 to 9 p.m., and you will be welcomed with open arms. I'm struck by the reality that God used somebody just to put a hand on a shoulder. We're tempted to think there's nothing I can do. I have nothing to offer. And look what someone did. And I guarantee you that person doesn't remember it. And God used that. God is working. He'll speak to us in the midst of these things if we trust him, if we're listening. And he will use us often then to be a wounded healer for someone else. God can help you and me get better. It's, I'm not Pollyanna, it's not easy, it's not three simple steps. You heard him say some, some days are good, some days aren't so good. You may not be there today you might be a year from now.
We need to start now training how we think, letting him renew our minds. Because if we don't, we will struggle. And God has a better plan for you than that. He has hope and, a, and, and, and joy for you to experience. He can use you right where you are if you'll let him. Our prayer team will be down here if you want to talk with someone. We want to remind you too that sign up to do something, to serve somewhere. Be a part of the women's retreat. Be a host. Start putting yourself in places and positions where God can work in you and through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, which is incredible, which is unbelievably sufficient, even when we can't see it or understand it in the moment. Father, help us to trust you, even in the midst of our hurts. Help us to change how we think, to transform how we think and look at all this, to not be stuck in what we're feeling, we know it's work, Father. It's not simply, it's not magic. It's not three easy steps. But working through your word, through other people, through ministries, through life, you can bring incredible teaching. You can transform us. Make us more than conquerors. Make us victors, even in the midst of prison. Give us joy, even through bars. Father, use us for your glory. Teach us, help us, walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.